You're listening to the Ending Human Trafficking Podcast. This is episode number 12, recorded in September 2011. Welcome to the Ending Human Trafficking Podcast. My name is Dave Stahoviak. And I'm Sandy Morgan. And this is the show where we empower you to study the issues, be a voice, and make a difference in ending human trafficking. And Sandy, we are just one episode away from episode number 13, lucky episode number 13. Yay. And it's lucky because we are going to have a chance to hear from our audience. Uh, Episode 13 is going to be an all-request show. And we're going to take question and answers from you, the audience, about what you'd like to know about human trafficking, what questions and comments you've had, and what you'd like to hear from Sandy in responding to your questions and thoughts about how you can end human trafficking. And so before we jump in today, you'll want to write down this email address so you can start thinking of what questions you'd like to send us so we can respond to them in episode 13. And our email address is gcwj at vanguard.edu. And that stands for the Global Center for Women and Justice, which Sandy directs at Vanguard University's campus here in Southern California. And Sandy, they can also, folks can reach out to us by phone as well. And the phone number? The phone number is 714 five five six three six one zero extension two two four two and if you call please leave a voicemail because we'll be able to use that on the on the podcast absolutely and so that episode is going to air on october 13th on the 13th of the month episode number 13 and that is going to be our all question and answer show so send in your questions now so we can start considering them and get them uh, to you in advance and Start thinking, and Sandy can start looking up resources uh, for some of your uh, questions. I'm looking forward to that one. That'll sound, that's great. I'd also like to uh, let those who live in the Orange County area know that November 19th, we're going to be hosting a homeless sleepout at Vanguard to raise awareness about youth who are homeless, which we have already established in this podcast that those kids are at a greater risk of being exploited. So if you're interested in finding out more information about that, please go uh, to our website, gcwj.vanguard.edu, or email us at gcwj at vanguard.edu. And speaking of children, that actually brings us into our topic today, Sandy, which is making kids safe, and particularly making kids safe when it comes to the internet. And uh, and I believe that I am going to be quizzed on this show. Is that correct? This is a test day for you, Dave. I I'm, thought it was coming. I thought I'm, it was coming. Um, I, I listen to people when they talk about internet safety and the kids, and, and I want to I want to ask them questions like because sometimes they're they're all about shutting down access. And if we think about the Internet as a as a highway, um, then we can draw the parallels to the roads in front of our houses. Uh, We don't want to shut down the roads in front of our houses, even though we know that driver speed and people are injured Um, People transport stolen goods on those roads, but we don't shut them down. Instead, we have rules and we have ways to enforce those rules. And it should be the same way with internet safety in our own homes. We would not let a 10-year-old 
drive to the grocery store and home again. We wouldn't let him cruise the internet either. And that's what we're going to talk about today. So in order to assess your internet safety quotient, Dave, um, we want to ask you some questions so that we can accomplish four things. We want to increase adult awareness and understanding of the danger and the risks on the internet for children. We want you to be able to understand the role of prevention and the problems because prevention is not the only answer. And we want you to be able to educate children at the appropriate levels to make them safer in today's internet culture. The word is safer, not safe. Safer. It's like you teach children how to cross the street but you're still worried about them and you still watch them until a certain age. And then finally, our fourth item that we want to accomplish today is we want you to think about how you can reach out in your own community to improve internet safety for kids. So you ready for the test? I am. And uh, before you even start, Sandy, I think that this is such an important issue for us to be talking about because it, you know, five or 10 years ago, people would say, well, I'm just going to not be connected to the internet and I'm not going to have any of those issues uh, with, you know, my family or kids or online banking or, you know, any of the things that kind of have been privacy or, or concerns around the internet in the last few years. And we have really evolved as a society today where it's not possible to be disconnected from the internet for most of us. I mean, even if we are, there are so many things around us that are connected to the internet. So we should really educate ourselves and our families on how to stay safe with it. And I, I think, Sandy, back to um, when I was a kid, my mom had a rule that we weren't allowed to watch uh, cartoons. Oh. And in particular, uh, not not so much things like, you know, the, the you know, Peanuts or, you know, some of the you know, the more, uh, you know, really G-rated cartoons, but, but, you know, anything with any violence in it. My mom had a really strong belief, and I'm, I'm grateful for that because I, I wasn't exposed to that a lot as a kid. And, um, and but... But my friend's parents didn't necessarily have that belief. So mm. guess what I did when I wanted to watch a cartoon? I'd go to my friend's house and watch it. And so it was around me. I had access to it. And I think that that's really important when we think about the internet in not just you know cutting off access, but how do we really educate ourselves and the children in our lives to really handle the internet in an appropriate way. And I think that example you gave, Sandy, about roads, we're not going to shut down roads just because bad things happen on highways and roads, but we can really educate ourselves to be responsible about it. And I know you have some questions for me, and I, I think yeah, there's 10 of them. Are you having some test anxiety, Dave? I, 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 I usually do pretty well on tests, um, but I haven't studied for this test, and I think I've only seen one of these questions in advance. So we'll see what happens and how good my my internet quotient is. So uh, okay. I'm, I'm ready. Go All for right. it. All right. The first question, where is the best place to locate your family computer? And you have three options. A, okay. child's bedroom, mm. B, family room, or C, office in the back of the house. So funny you should ask because I've been thinking about this a little bit more because my wife and I are having our first child in Ooh, February. Congratulations. Thank you. So I'm starting to think about this, these things a little more. And I think that, and, and I have heard before that a, a good place to put a computer that children are uses in a central area where they're not by themselves using the computer. So I would say family room. Very good. Hooray. B is correct. B is correct. It's very so far. important to have adult supervision because kids aren't safe. 
Um, it's also critical to know where they have access in other people's homes, mm. just like your mom. Yeah, the cartoons yeah, in my friend's house. There yeah. you go. And at libraries, cell phones, sitting at the bus stop with their friends, getting ready for school. And did you know you can even connect to the internet on gaming consoles? Yes, you can. Ah, so this requires close supervision. You would not leave your child alone next to the freeway. You would stay there and monitor their activity. And that's exactly what we have to do with the internet. Kids need supervision. So the computer should be in a place if children are using that's that's adults are present, adults are monitoring it, adults are watching over kids. And I think the larger point here, Sandy, too, is, is that is to consider that wherever kids are in whatever environment they're in, that if they're at a friend's house, if they're at the library, wherever it is, that they're in a place where, um, you know, they're being monitored, they're being supervised uh, when they're, when especially young children on the internet, so that they're not just, like you said, off on the highway themselves. Exactly, exactly. Okay. Okay, question number two. I'm ready. Which is the best example of how to protect your children when online? A, Post clear, simple, easy to read rules on or near the monitor and closely supervise your children's activity and monitor their online activity when they access internet from other locations. Okay, that sounds good. B, only allow your children to use the computer at the public library. Hmm. C, do not allow your children to surf the internet without having a friend nearby. Yeah, I'm not sure friend is the best way to go because it depends who the friend is. So I'm going to go with A. I like A. Okay, I like A too. Simple, easy to read rules that are available. There are some great websites that have um, rules for you. Netsmarts.org, that's N-E-T-S-M-A-R-T-Z. Also, webwisekids.org. And enough is enough. Org. Um, all of them have great rules to help you with educating your kids. And the wonderful thing about these organizations is many of them have, they've received federal grants to develop materials for internet safety. So it's a really wise business decision to use free resources that your tax dollars have already paid for, Dave. Yeah, one of the things I really like about a lot of the resources that I know you're going to mention on the show, Sandy, and you just mentioned is many of these are uh, free, I'll use in quotes, because we have paid for them as taxpayers. We've invested in these programs and and they're there for us already. So we might as well tap into what is already there and folks have created as far as good rules policies, procedures to utilize, and and particularly for something like this. I, I think a lot of parents, and I know myself can, and us going to be new parents coming up here soon, you know, we haven't spent a lot of time thinking about rules for kids and internet-specific rules and how we would put those together. So having a resource to go to that's already there and accessible is huge. And and they've used the best voices and, and the best practices in putting these things together. Now, here's question number three. All right, I've got 100% so far. So You're I'm, doing uh, well. Thank Your you. children are completely safe if they only visit child-friendly chat rooms. Is this true or false? Well, I always heard in school, whenever a true-false question says completely or, or and all the time, that that's a, that's a sure sign of a false question. So I'm going to say that's false because nothing's completely safe. And you're absolutely right. People who wish to harm children have been known to entice children in child-oriented chat rooms. I um, 
was doing a parent education conference with a, a local law enforcement officer who does internet investigation. And he put the picture up in a, in a social chat room of, of a real freaky guy with a mohawk and piercings and all the parents sat back and, and became a very, very um, rigid and, oh no, my kids are not going to be allowed to, to talk to him. Mm-hmm. And then the next uh, PowerPoint slide was a young um, student uh, in a letter sweater with an armload of books and she looked so smart and everybody relaxed. And then this police officer said, so you'd let your kid have a conversation with this girl? And every, oh yeah, right. Uh-huh. No problem. And he said, actually that profile is the profile of a 40 year old, a little uh, pudgy and with a gun. Oh yeah, that's my profile for investigating internet crime. Mm. We can't assure ourselves that everybody is who they say they are on the internet, and our kids need to understand that. Wow. Question number four. Okay. What should you do if your children tell you someone they have met online has asked for their telephone number and wants to meet them in person? A, take away their privileges. B, praise them for telling you this and discuss with them the reasons why it's unsafe and then make a cyber tip line report. And then, or C, tell them it's okay to meet your friend as long as you know where you're going. Yeah, I'm thinking B is sounding pretty good on that one. Yeah, all right. See, and the cyber tip line. What's the cyber tip line? Is a great place because that means that our law enforcement is going to check it out, our internet trained law enforcement investigators. Mm. And the tip line number is 1 800 843 5678. Or you can go online to cybertipline.com and submit a report. Now, this is a really important number to use. Um, we have a lot of local police departments that don't have the resources to have this kind of internet investigation um, immediately available. So I recently talked to a mom who was concerned about someone who had shown up in the Facebook pages of 13-year-old girls and claimed to be a student at the high school. And when the mom did the investigation, um, there was no such student. So she called the local police star- department and they said, well, we don't do internet investigation. And so then she had heard me speak. So she called me and I gave her the cyber tip line, 1-800-843-5678. Sandy, who runs that tip line and how does that then get to law enforcement? Uh, do you know as far as how, I, I didn't know that federally, was available. It's federally funded. Oh, and interesting. so then our innocence lost, um, our local police department, everybody who comes to the page where when it comes to investigating crimes against children uh, will be working. It's a very team-oriented task force that works on, on internet crime. Wow, interesting. I had no idea. Okay, great. Good to resource to know about. Question number five. All right, I'm ready. Of the choices below, which is the best screen name for a child? Katie underscore NY13 or B, cute little angel? Or C, PKD underscore 329. A, B, or C, Dave? Well, I am going to go with C, and let me tell you why. Uh, The Katie NY13 tells me that that could be a 13-year-old and that she lives in New York and that her name's Katie, so I already know a lot about her. 
the cute uh, i missed the second one here but i know it started with cute cute. L- cute little angel cute little angel yeah that sounds like someone that um boy i would think internet predators might be looking for whereas pkd329 sounds fairly anonymous to me and wouldn't be interesting to me unless i already knew who that person was as in i knew them in real life exactly good answer good description and good um Uh, justification for choosing that. Okay, good. One of the biggest mistakes people make when they create their email addresses is using the year of their birth or their city. And you want to be pretty benign. You want to be innocuous. Okay. Number six, what are the consequences of sexting that your child may face? Hmm. A, recurring embarrassment and victimization. B, Damage to academic, employment, and social opportunities. C, both. Well, I'm going to go with both. And unfortunately, I've heard examples in the media and stories, and unfortunately, some just awful stories of how sexting has gotten kids into trouble. And in in some cases, in situations involving where there have been suicides, and it's just just a horrible, horrible situation to for a young person to get into, Sandy. So I unfortunately, it's I'm going to go with both. Yeah. It is tragic, and it is both. And this is an area where um, supervision is required because children don't make good choices. Mm. They think it's funny taking a picture. They have a smartphone. They take a picture, and then they send it um, without realizing the repercussions. We need to continually teach them about and and this is where um, the basics of safety come in. We teach our children, don't touch this, it's hot. We teach our kids how to how to cross a street when they're really pretty young and that it's not easy. So you have to keep doing it over and over and over again. And that's the same thing with sexting because if you go back to an earlier podcast and you begin to understand um, child brain development, they, they just don't make good choices. And I... I really have been thinking about this, especially in the last few days, Sandy. We, uh, my, uh, my wife and I are involved in a book club, and we were talking with one of the moms at the book club uh, a couple of days ago, and somehow we got on the topic of, uh, oh, I know, we were talking about this book called Alone Together, which is uh, out by an MIT professor about how we all use the internet these days. And one of the moms was talking about how at the end of the day, they have a rule in their house that the phone is shut off at 10 o'clock. And that um, the mom or the dad then gets to go into the phone and just see what's been texted and, you know, reads through the texts that day. And they don't read everything, but they kind of spot check and monitor what their kids are texting to their friends. And the kids know this. It's part of their, you know, their rules in their household. And I, I, I thought that that was really a good example of how, um, you know, having good expectations with kids and also having a system for how you're going to monitor was uh, was really done appropriately. Enough is Enough has a really great set of rules and tools uh, checklist at internetsafety101.org. And that's exactly what they suggest that mm. parents um, agree with their kids. Okay, you have a cell phone, but I get to check your uh, text messages every day. And I need to know who's on your IM checklist and make sure that they're all approved. Right. And it's like the mom that discovered that there was suddenly a new face on Facebook among um, her kids' friends. Then she was able to take action. Unfortunately, in her particular story, none of the other mothers were involved in checking where their kids 
were on Facebook and who they were talking oh, with. Okay. And it's great that there was one mom who was tuned in and did understand these kinds of rules and tools. Yeah. Um, but every parent should become um, adept at doing that. Okay, great. So I think we uh, have a few more questions to go here. Yes, we do. We are now on number seven. Okay, I'm ready, Sandy. If you are not familiar with computers and the internet, you should A, check out netsmarts411.org to help educate yourself as well as internetsafety101.org. You should sit down with your children, B, to have them show you the websites they visit and how they navigate through the internet, mm. or C, both. What do you think? Well, I'm going to, well, A, for sure. Mm-hmm. You should educate yourself as a parent. You shouldn't just rely on your children. I, I would think it's probably a good idea to do B, too, and to find out what sites kids are visiting. And that way, if you discovered they were not they were visiting different sites than they had shared with you that would certainly be a flag that would come up so i i would say both for this one exactly and i that's that's a good good answer we do sometimes think well no we'll go online we'll get the rules we'll set the rules but sitting down with your kids and finding out where they're going is really important and of course then when you're not around or when you're in the kitchen and even though the computer is in a family room um where you're walking by, they may be on some sites that they stumble across that are not appropriate. And some of our research shows that children doing homework suddenly have pornography that they they stumble on because the computer isn't set up with any kind of filters. So it's good for parents to set up filters. Mm-hmm. It's also good for parents to um, get software that will track where kids have been. And this is, this is, some of this is available like through Covenant Eyes and some other websites. And we'll do a podcast on that um, specifically mm, okay, in the great. near future because I right. think that's really important. So, question eight. Question number eight What should you do if you suspect online stalking or sexual exploitation of your child? A, ignore it and turn the computer off. Well, that's definitely not the answer. B, report it to your local law enforcement agency and the cyber tip line. Or C, change your internet service provider. Well, B, I think, is the clear answer on that one. Okay. And, of course, back to um, the cyber tip line. It is 1-800-843-5678. And this is such an important thing for you to understand and know and every parent to have that information and know how to contact them. Over and over and over again, when we listen to the stories of kids who have been recruited here to Orange County and to places like Las Vegas or New York, someone sent them um, a ticket to come here Mm -hmm. and they met them online. They invited them out here. They offered them a modeling career or something like that. So they are out there luring them fishing for kids who are more vulnerable. And the cyber tip line can chase down those people and find them. And the Federal Bureau of Investigation recommends this. If your children or anyone in your home has received pornography depicting children, your children have been sexually solicited by someone who knows your children are younger than 18, or if your children have received sexually explicit images from someone you keep the computer screen turned off in order to preserve any evidence for future law enforcement use. 
unless directed to do so by law enforcement, you should not attempt to copy any of the images or the text found on the computer. These recommendations are reported in a parent's guide to internet safety that was produced by the Department of Justice Federal Bureau of Education Investigation, I'm sorry, the FBI Investigation. And you can um, go to the FBI website and download their parents' guide. It's a PDF. And I believe that's FBI.gov for yes. the FBI website that you can access that. Exactly. And I know that's um, a lot of detailed information, but I think it's really important because we panic when something like this pops up on our screen and we just need to know, stop, alert somebody, and then let them do the investigation. And I'll tell you, it's amazing what cyber crime units um, can find out. And I'm very impressed with their expertise. It's a, it is an important front line on the battle against human trafficking. Wow, Dave, we have two more questions to go. All right, I'm ready for the last ninth one here. True or false? It is okay for your children to post pictures of themselves on their own personal website, especially if they promise to only give the web address or friend people that they know. True or false? Hmm. Well, their own personal website to me sounds like something everyone would have access to as opposed to like a Facebook page, which only their friends ideally would have access to. So I'm going to go with, I think, false for this one. Okay. False is the right answer. Okay, good. And and really, even in Facebook, we have to be really careful. Any social networking Mm. with pictures. Um, We've identified situations where the picture shows... Uh, the school in the background with the name on it. Mm-hmm. And so someone who's able to access those pictures and Facebook privacy rules are um, are rules that not everybody follows. And so in even though you have to be a certain age, I know this is going to shock you, Dave, but um, kids lie about their age and they get a Facebook account. Shocking. And then they don't know shocking. how to manage the sa- the privacy settings. Also and, shocking, yes. And so, because they're not really that uh, developed, and they don't understand the the importance. Most of those adults, things. most adults don't understand the Facebook privacy settings well enough to go in and to really adjust exactly. them to the way I know I have, for example. But I'm educated on this, and I know technology pretty well. But the average person doesn't really know a lot about that. So it's I really scary to realize yeah. how you can access people's photographs on Facebook and they don't even realize it. I'm amazed how many people have Facebook accounts set up where um, I know I, you know, if I'm see a friend of a friend or something where I can click on and get a lot of information about them, even if I'm not connected to them in any way, shape or form, just because I have a Facebook account. So something to look into for everybody, not just children, children, especially of course, but for the adults, uh, you know, certainly uh, all of the adults in our audience of thinking, you know, what's really the right way to protect yourself as well. And, and even what may seem like um, a, a harmless picture, if it provides information for location, age, what school, um, that's information that you want to keep private. And so you just don't want to put those things out there. All right. Final question. From the choices noted below, which type of personal information is okay for your child to post on their social networking account? A. Dates and details about an upcoming family vacation. B, daily after school routine, or C, favorite sports team? 
A, B, or C? Well, the only one that doesn't really get a lot of detail about me personally that I wouldn't want someone to know on the internet, it would be C, favorite sports team. So I'm going to go with that. Good answer. You've got 100%. All right. You don't want your children to provide any personal information online that could be used to harm them or your family. Can you imagine all the precautions we grew up taking. If you go on vacation, make sure someone's picking up your newspaper and things like that. And then we post it on Facebook that we're Mm -hmm. going to be gone. Oh my goodness. Um, I'm I'm amazed by this too, is how many people uh, tweet or blog about being out of town. And and I, I can see Facebook. I can see if you're just connected to a certain number of people, but but so many people do it on public blogs and on Twitter accounts, which are available to access to anyone. And I'm just always amazed by that, Sandy. Uh, You know, we we certainly don't do that. So developing privacy rules so that kids understand that this is like an open window and people can see in. Yeah. That's that's a concept we have to to train them in. And the rules and tools checklist from internetsafety.org, internetsafety101.org is great. Webwise Kids has also partnered with the FBI Innocence Loss Campaign, and they've developed some great training games, computer games that are built on actual criminal cases and are acted out with live actors. And our Live to Free team has used this in after-school programs, and, and your organization can do this. And these materials like games like Missing and Mirror Image and Air Dogs and It's Your Call, don't they sound like fun? They do. Kids can learn. This doesn't have to be something that's scary and intimidating for them, but they just need to learn, just like they're going to take driver's ed when they when they turn 16 before they get a license to drive on that road in front of our house. We have to prepare them. And Sandy, are those acts uh, available to anybody? And if they are, how do folks access those Webwisekids.org. Um, contact them. They've received some incredible awards for their work and their material has been shown to do great prevention. Kids have done these games, played these games, and then gone and told their parents, oh, you know, this happened to me. And now, mm. um, uh, so they're they're really cutting edge on using games to do prevention and, and educate so that children are safer. And remember, we're using the word safer. Children aren't safe because they did this game. This is part of the process. They're not done and they need adult supervision. We can do prevention, but we still need to protect and have rules and enforcing those rules like speed limits on our road by like red lights and green lights so that we're all safer. And this really does get to our core message on ending human trafficking, Sandy, because this is proactive. These are things that we can do to prevent children and and young people from getting into these situations in the first place. Exactly. And boy, that's certainly much more um, productive in ending human trafficking than if we have to serve a victim after they've already been a victim and after the crime has already occurred. So boy, what, you, a, what a great focus. If making kids safer is is something that um, you want to be involved in, you can get already prepared presentations all set up in PowerPoint through netsmarts.org. And they send you the um, the PowerPoints in a presenter format. You take the material to a local after-school program 
or in your church organization or a boys and girls club, and you take the kids through age-appropriate material for internet safety, starting with um, kindergarten, first, second grade, all the way up through high school. There's also training materials for parents. I would recommend highly that you see this as a frontline opportunity to fight human trafficking and prevent the exploitation of our kids on the internet. Well, Sandy, that just about wraps up our time that we're going to have this week. And you've asked me a whole bunch of questions Congratulations, today. I, you got 100%. I did. I'm so, I'm so pleased with myself. I'm going to go tell my wife I got 100%. And, uh, and now it's time for the audience to ask questions of us. That's right. And so our next episode is episode number 13. It airs on October 13th, 2011. And it's an all question and answer show. So I hope you've got your question uh, answering skills uh, ready to go here, Sandy, because we are going to be taking your questions and only your questions that show. So we want you to call in or email us with questions you have about anything we've talked about here today anything we've talked about in any previous episode, and anything that relates to how you can end human trafficking. And the best way to do that is to send us an email. And the email address is gcwj at vanguard.edu. And again, that's for the Global Center for Women and Justice here at Vanguard University. And Sandy, of course, folks can call us too. 714-556-3610, extension 2242. And again, leave us a message if you call there and no one answers because we'll take your message. We'll uh, make sure to respond to it right on the show. And in the meantime, uh, Sandy, it's always a pleasure to talk with you. Thanks for educating me more on some of these tips and tools today. And I'm so excited that we have more and more resources we can use to really end human trafficking. That's right. Thank you. Thanks, Sandy. Take care. 